Hello, film fans. Welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. My name is Martin Harris, your host, and I'm joined by the film encyclopedia man, Boaz Dix. We are a couple of filmmakers on occasion, but mainly can't stop yapping about movies. On this podcast, every episode we pick a topic from a film that's coming out at the cinema or on VOD. Myself and Boaz pick our favourite film from that topic, or team up against a guest and battle it out to decide which film will become the greatest film of all time. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe. Please enjoy part one. Hello, Podaroonies, or Podsters, if you prefer. We have quite a crowd this week. <laughs> uh, as Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 is out in the cinemas, we are very, very excited for this one. I know me and Boaz are. Uh, we are talking animated films, and we have guests again, people. It's very exciting. A returning guest, our first guest we had across the pond, and it's the world of horror podcast Woo-hoo! christina mac and new to the podcast quinn how are you guys yeah thank you so much i'm super stoked great thanks for having us cool so a pleasure and of course i am joined by our very own shoulder touching fluorescent <laughs> serpent mr Dix. how are you so yeah hey yeah, good. hey hey good good I do hope you don't do the shoulder touch thing with girls. <laughs> no. Hey. No. <laughs> <Good>. um, <laughs> uh, guys, it's so lovely to have you guys back on. Tell us about your podcast and where can we find you? Oh, you can find us everywhere. We're all over the internet. <laughs> Any place you get your pods. They're right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> what we do is we take a genre or subgenre of horror and we pair an international film with an American film, except when Quinn is on, and then we just do whatever the hell we want because she's the only one of us who has any real credentials. Um, and then we just talk about Hitchcock films or any other piece of media we want to talk about. But uh, yeah, check us out. And um, once you do, you will be an official woho. And what's the name? <laughs> World of Horror Podcast. <laughs> Whoa. 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 so guys what do we think of spider-man across the spider-verse part one thoughts people so good i'm excited yeah it looks really cool i my i do have some concern i mean it looks very colorful as the first one even more so mm. i mean it looks insane from the trailers my only issues are is that it's a part one of a of a two-part film story which is never entirely successful from other franchises so that does worry me a little bit and also just it seems to be that like a spider-man character is going to be the villain of this story yeah (laughs) which i don't know how i sit with that so but other than that i'm very excited for this film i don't get part ones and part twos (laughs) yeah i don't really (laughs) I don't mind it with June, though, that's, you know, the part two is coming, because June part one was very good. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, we'll find out with that one. Boaz, excited for this one? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I have good, good feelings. Are you guys uh, Spider-Man super fans? Oh, yeah. Boaz yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> I, I am, to a great degree. Um, 
Yeah, so I love all the Spider-Man movies. I think Spider-Man is uh, either one of, if not my favorite superhero. Uh, I used to collect uh, Spider-Man comics when I was younger, so I got quite a lot of issues and stuff. Um, I used to watch a lot of the cartoons. I'm I'm really big into Spider-Man, so, you know. That's awesome. And, like, a load of games as well, like loads and loads of the games. <laughs> so it's big, big, big part of my childhood. You know? <laughs> so are you excited for this one, Christina? Uh, yeah, I, this is, uh, I saw, um, into the spider verse with Mac, I think in the theater and it might've been at Quinn's suggestion actually. Yeah. I'm big into animation films and I think whenever you get the opportunity to see one in the cinema, it is a treat. And this one is just like, there's so much style in it and not that I love animated films, but I feel like as the technology has gotten maybe more like accessible, which is a good thing, there's just a lot of like really bland ones, but this one is yeah. so unique. It like stands out, yeah. Mm-hmm. There are so many ways they could have done it, like, uh, you know, just classical sort of 2D animation or anime or sort of like, a, you know, like an early sort of Disney movie or 3D animation. These are all very popular modes, and, and they've gone with this. Uh, like, I think it's it, it's kind of interesting because it's based on a comic book, and so you do this very, again, comic booky panels, and it looks like the texture of paper, and it's just so, you know, it's just it's just so comic booky, and it's so weird that you don't see that, and I just think it, it's so obvious yet so unique. I think mixed media is so such a good idea, like. You can tell part of it is 3D, but then, like you said, yeah. there's so much texture, and then the way that they've yeah. moved it is not as like just seamlessly fluid as other, yeah, I think places try to do. Yeah, it looks it looks like a flip book, like you're flipping through mm-hmm. it, and then yeah, and it, it does have this, um, uh, you know, a 3D quality, but just again, not quite. And then uh, a lo- uh, what's this other thing? Like every everything has edges and borders around it. Which is kind of crazy because it looks like it's drawn, which you try and avoid that in like, you know, uh, animation. But I just think uh, I think it's just brilliant. It, it, you know, there is just a sort of like a tactile feeling from it. it it's very hard to describe. But I think it's quite unique. Yeah. But I think it it definitely represents the media that it's it's pulling from. So yeah. I think uh, it's incredibly interesting. Apparently the filmmakers were saying that they, they're using like six different types of animation style. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. For this film. So that's amazing. I, d- I mean, I don't know how that's going to work, but they do it a little bit in into the spider verse, yeah. a few animation styles. So yeah, it'd be interesting how all the others fit in. <laughs> I think especially with the, uh, with the pit, with the pig, you know, the yeah. pig comes across <laughs> yeah. as, yeah, like everything to do with him is very Disney cartoon, you know, or whatever, or like Looney Tunes. Um, I think that's a yeah. very distinctive, you know, animation style for him. Uh, I think that's going to get pretty insane for the next one. Then, if the if they're going to do like every yeah. Spider Man is a, is done in a different way, but you know. it'll be interesting to see how like fluid that will work. You know how that yeah will look really yeah because I I think uh, you know they they have a pretty good balance of this film and uh, and there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. You know that is my fear. If they go like too <laughs> overboard, you're just like whoa shit. There's so much. You know. So they need to like rein themselves in a little, but we'll see. We'll see how yeah. it goes. Yeah, I like what you said, Bo, is what you said about like, I don't know, just the reference to an actual comic book and sort of the seamlessness. 
of watching the film and having this feeling that you have it in front of you and that you're flipping through. And then I just, I love how it's, um, it just is such a pastiche and like self-referencing in terms of like the dark backstory, the similar dark backstories from all of these like characters. And that like always just makes me, I don't know. That makes me so happy with this movie. I just, I think it's, one of a kind, mind blowing. I'm really excited. So our choice then for animated films, Boaz, um, we went for Kubo and the two strings. Uh, When I first saw this, I thought it was pretty incredible. It's first of all, it's just stunning to look at. It is. Um, It it really is. And I didn't want to go with like any Pixar films because we've done an awful lot of Pixar films (laughs) on this podcast. So you know, we've done two episodes, like Toy Story 2, both Incredibles films, Wally, Luca, to name but a few that we've covered already. So I didn't want to do Pixar. And the other choice that I was interested in watching was Akira. Ah, uh, classic. Yeah. Mm. So I'm very interested in seeing that. Hopefully we'll do cover that one in the future. Yeah, we should do that in the future. Um, I've never actually watched Akira. Um, so I need to. Oh, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> need to crack on with that. Yeah, yeah, it's very gory. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen so, a couple of clips of that. So yeah. uh, I think when you asked which one I would prefer, I was like, I, you know, I've never watched Akira. I've heard it's good. I've seen a few clips, but I was just like, I'm not really in the mind space to watch dark shit right now. So, <laughs> like, okay. I, you know, so I was like, I'll just watch something a little cuddlier, uh, you know, and right. and maybe if I feel a little more inclined some other time, you know, you know. Well, this film is a is a tad dark in places, I would say. It is a tad it is a tad dark in places, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say I love that you picked a studio like a film kind of over a Pixar film because again, Pixar's great, but I just think Studio Like a should get more recognition because oh, yeah. they're doing just something that like basically nobody else is doing. Yeah. And even though it's like not Absolutely. profitable, they're still going. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything they do is great. Yeah, I just think it's it's crazy where you're like, this is stop motion. Like, I have to like stop myself every scene and just go, holy shit, they actually constructed this <laughs> like by hand. You're like, what the hell? And they could have made it easy on themselves, but they do the most tricky, you know, difficult, intricate shots they can possibly, you know, and put you know as much as much uh, effort and effects as they. And you're like, you did this all by hand. You could have done this buy a computer this would have been so much easier well there is a bit of cgi work in there (laughs) there's a combination i think that's what makes it more artistic you know yeah okay there's probably some stuff that helps uh you know but but most of it is just like is constructed it's done by hand it's done painstakingly it's done in an Mm. old-fashioned way i think uh to me i think it makes it way more impressive and you know more artistic Mm. you know yeah, I feel like art gets its value when it you can tell that there's that somebody yeah. made it. And I like Absolutely. animated films, but the way that th- they're trying to make things too perfect. And it's like, that's not yeah. the point. Like, you know, I yeah, want to totally. see that somebody did it, you know, that hand craftsmanship aspect. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just love I think it, it really um, adds to the quality. If you know, like there was there was effort and there was there is even suffering, you know, like. If they were suffering <laughs> for that art, you're like, that took some time, that took effort, that took sweat, that took blood. Yeah. And uh, I always respect that. So any filmmaker like uh, 
say, you know, if they use uh, stunt doubles, like going through walls or, or you know, Nolan, he actually builds sets. <laughs> Stuntmen are going to die making this film. Yeah, you know, or, you know, so like stuntmen. So I think like, what was it? When we were talking, um, uh, when we did an episode on, on John Wick 4, I'm just like, they actually use real stuntmen. And they, <laughs> like, like, I'm sure half of these guys are dead. But you're like, they didn't need to. And I, to me, that makes every scene even better. And then, like, Nolan as well. I love Nolan and the fact that he'll actually build the sets. He doesn't have to. He'll build this. It just makes it better. I think I think if you make things hard for yourself, uh, you know, it could be yeah. you could get the same result doing it easier, cheaper, quicker using the current technology. But I think if you just uh, you rein yourself in and you actually put the effort in, uh, you can sense it. Mm. You, can, you can sort of feel it. I, I think you've got to um, add that to the experience, not just, like, the images and... Yeah. And and how it looks or or whatever. But. So you're saying the animators lost all their fingers after making this? Yeah, probably. Or, you know, <laughs> or they, you know, they've definitely. I think they've definitely lost like like memories they'll never get back. They could have been spending time <laughs> with their kids, seeing them grow, but they spent months in a. They lost relationships. Yeah. Exactly. They spent months in a warehouse, just like moving this guy <laughs> and you just think yeah i think it's unbelievable they're like i am not working with samurai swords again <laughs> yeah. yeah but also animated films are so they have to be so intentional anyway but it seems like with stop motion you have to be super super like intentional with everything i heard that it took five years and Ooh. that makes sense uh, like wow. from you know start yeah. to finish jesus yeah, but you see, even hearing stuff like that, I just think that's that's phenomenal. I think I did hear it took uh, quite a long time, but you like, you know, they could have done it a, a, in a year, you know, using the methods that we do now, or, and you're like, they really took the effort, they took the time, and you're right, it's like, yeah. it, and it flows so seamlessly, and there's so much detail, like how everything, how everybody moves, and you're like, that's hard enough to animate to 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 make everything look natural. But, you know, to actually, like, literally move a figure to make everything, like, every little hair, you know, uh, hair blowing in the wind, you know, fabric, just everything. You're like, Jesus Christ, you know, the amount of attention. <laughs> so, Boaz, what happens in Kubo and the Two Strings? Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast Audio Branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Uh, so Kubo and the Two Strings is a story about um, Kubo, uh, who whose mother is a like moon princess. Her father is uh, the Moon King, and uh, she had a child with a legendary war- warrior called Hanzo. Um, and the Moon King wants Kubo to live with him in the Moon Kingdom, but to do so, he wants to cut out his eyes. Uh, his parents aren't a fan of this, and so they uh, uh, so they try and hide. Really? Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, crazy, right? Uh, so they try and hide Kubo in a Japanese village. She tells uh, she's kind of like 
her mental faculties are sort of fading. Um, so she's not really quite there. And his father isn't there either. He believes he's dead. And one day he doesn't return home when it turns dark during a uh, a sort of ancestor festival because he wants to speak to the spirit of his dad, uh, which doesn't end up happening. When he's out in the dark, you know, uh, his moon family finds him, his aunties, uh, moon princesses, they find him and try to abduct him. Uh, and his mother gives her life to protect Kubo and then sends him on a journey to get these pieces of an ar- armor that can defeat the moon king. And then he's aided by a uh, a monkey, basically a monkey. <laughs> yeah, a talking monkey. <laughs> um, and and later a, uh, a talking um, beetle, a samurai beetle. Uh, Kubo also has like the ability to like make origami uh, with his guitar or whatever. So make it move and come alive and stuff. So on the journey, uh, he gets really close to the beetle and the monkey and the f- his fighting his aunties and all that stuff. And then later it's discovered that the monkey and the beetle are actually his mother and father. And they die, which is pretty sad. And then uh, he retrieves all the pieces of the armor and takes on the Moon King, defeats him, but basically makes him human and the community and he kind of has his memory wiped and then the community sort of uh make him a uh, like basically appreciate humanity and and become a a regular person and yeah. stuff he you know says good says goodbye to his parents and uh you know they embrace him uh their spirits and everything's happily ever after yeah, yeah. cool uh so quinn uh initial reactions to this one well i hadn't seen it before so i didn't you know i don't I'm going to be honest, sometimes I don't think that I give animation enough respect and, you know, I'm more apt to go see a narrative film, you know, it more over than, not narrative, but yeah. a film with people <laughs> than animation, even though I understand the history of animation and I do respect it so much, you know, as its own beautiful genre, but... um I'm just more apt to to say no to these, but sure. I was so glad to have watched this because yeah. I was just blown away. I'm obsessed with storytelling and the idea of stories. And I, I mean, from the very beginning, it's all about that and about these, you know, the beautiful memories and the respect that we have for memory and, and, it was striking me as hilarious when we were talking about the idea that these people maybe locked themselves away in a warehouse <laughs> for years and missed out on some of these memories. To celebrate this in a way is just so, it was a beautiful yeah. film for me and I respect it so much more looking into the stop motion aspect of it, but just the memory and the storytelling and the importance of that and the importance of like this sort of, dying culture of oral tradition struck me really hardcore this watch and i was just grateful to have watched it i don't know that i would have seen it on my own so i was i was blown away i loved it uh mac initial reactions um i was very blown away as well i honestly did not know that this movie existed but i probably despite really loving animation and art uh i don't know i've I think I've maybe grown a little bit jaded kind of because of what we (laughs) talked about earlier. Like, I think it takes maybe a little bit for me to actually like give something a chance, but I'm so glad that I gave this a chance because I don't know, it was so emotional. It made me cry. And 
uh, as Quinn said, like the idea of memories living on forever and living on inside of us and like, you know, somebody's death, not necessarily meaning that their life and everything is over, I think is beautiful. And yeah, from, from the first line being like, don't look away. I was like, okay, sure. I won't. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Every scene is like a feast for the eyes. So yeah. thank you for recommending mm-hmm. this. Cause I don't think I would have watched it otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Christina initial reaction. Yeah. I hadn't seen this either. So this was a first time watch for me as well. Um, I am going to diverge from my SWAT a little bit. I wasn't initially <laughs> hooked. Um, but, um, Uh, I became hooked by the end and I, I did tear up by the end, but it took two watches for me to actually like, I think fully appreciate it. Um, I was a little confused by the storytelling and I, I wasn't really sure what was going on with the grandfather, Mm. um, at the end. I think I get it now, but, um, some Mm. of the storytelling was a little bit confusing for me. But um, I love A Hero's Journey, and this is definitely one of those. And I thought the voice work was great. And, yeah, I highly recommend it. So directing then, I loved the little show Kubo puts on uh, to the crowd in this village where he plays his guitar and, like, little paper origami figures come to life and play out this mythical story. But I like how we just accept without question that Kubo just has this magical magical powers like Superman can fly. You know, one, I think it's just how beautiful the sequence is. And two, it's not like an outlandishly crazy power. You know, it somehow feels plausible in this world and it fits so well with this animation style. Plus, I loved it towards the end when uh, Hondo is slicing up creatures and lots of little bits of red paper symbolizing blood splurts <laughs> out at everyone <laughs> that yeah. was funny um it also kind of has this festive feel to it as well so i did kind of really really enjoy that opening little yeah little i thought bit, that was incredible just showing off kubo's kind of magic mm. powers yeah i yeah. like that just little details like the um the chicken getting its head cut off or whatever and then um <laughs> george takei in the crowd going oh my I love the first time you see like the evil twin aunties, just that wide shot of them coming out of the mist on the lake is really creepy because you don't see them clearly at first. And it's just a very unnerving opening shot. Not, not everything is being like revealed with these characters. Plus the sunset lighting in this film is just gorgeous in that sequence just for that, especially. Yeah. The aunties I really Mm. loved. Uh, brings very much um, a horror aspect yeah. to this film. Do you guys like the aunties in this? Yeah, I thought they were really cool. Yeah, I, in general, like just like found family versus like <laughs> the the bonds that we make and the the mother being, I don't know, like her statement of like, you're not my family. Like this is my mm. family. Um, and mm. I always just think that's a very beautiful idea and like yeah it makes sense when you see them you're like uh, yeah no thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i like the masks as well they're so creepy because yeah. they don't see anybody <laughs> yeah and i think it's i love the um the setup and of of his mother from his perspective in the beginning um and like the care that he takes with her and how she sort of 
comes alive in a quick moment and then sort of dissipates. And I thought this movie, I I mean, enjoyed it immensely. It was Mm. very emotional. You know, it's Mm. not, um, it's, it feels very tragic in a lot of ways. And I, I did like the, the visual representation of the evil, the evil yeah. ants. That was that was great. <laughs> yeah. They were scary. I um, there yeah. was a couple of shots I really liked with them. So uh, when, uh, like towards the end, was it at Hanzo? Like cuts or uh, yeah, cuts off like the bottom of the mask that goes flying off. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. I, I quite like that. You still don't see her eyes, but you still got this like fucking pale like you know snarl uh demonic sort of mouth and so yeah yeah i thought that was really cool mm. and also when uh the first auntie dies and uh, you don't see the death but you see like the the mask split in half and uh basically a camera shot oh, from yeah. <laughs> uh, under the water like through the mask and mm. the deck of the the ship that's all busted up i really like that shot i thought that was incredibly effective um very you know uh very japanese you know it's like a stereo you know it's like it's so cinematic and so very <laughs> asian like that cinematography i really like that i was also going to say like even at the opening of the the film um it's shot from like the perspective of of kubo and and his mother and uh the camera's like riding the waves and then that one wave that's so incredibly huge i, I uh, thought that was just um that was amazing, and uh, how she like uh, uses her <laughs> magic to dissipate it, and uh, and then uh, she's struck by the other wave, mm. and then you know hits her head. I just thought that was that whole sequence was amazing, and, and like to start a film with such an action, yeah, pack, quite a, a visually extravagant. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, like a lot of the water stuff is, I think, yeah, CGI, yeah, yeah. but they do it in such a way that they're referencing physical models and. Because I th- I watched a bit of the bonus stuff and like they used a lot of like you know wheels and and levers and things underneath like different materials to create a wave motion and and they use that as their reference so that's pretty cool combining the two it, it yeah, looks yeah. gorgeous you know yeah, especially absolutely. in the opening so it's just really interesting how they're really trying to do as much as they can practically from yeah. a practical sense in their basis of you know, using the, yeah, the CGI. And I feel like that's, that's the best application of CGI is when you enhance something else. Like, yeah. I feel like that, that is when CGI more comes alive than generating yeah. absolutely everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I get that. I love the last fight with Kubo battling his grandfather as this like fluorescent turquoise oh serpent thing. <laughs> it looks so impressive that I didn't want Kubo to destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a great moment too where like Kubo creates the guitar thing again and is facing up to the serpent and it's completely filling the frame looking massive. And I just love the feel of Kubo. Like he's not afraid of anything in that moment. Like the whole sequence is just seamless and beautifully done. I mean, I wouldn't say it's particularly suspenseful or thrilling, but you more marvel at how simply beautiful yeah. it, the scene is how it looks and indeed the whole film how beautiful the whole yeah. thing is yeah. I, I would say i would say like the the first part of the fight is, is pretty suspenseful because like the grandfather isn't fucking around he like kicks the shit out of kubo yeah. like knocks him across you know you're like jesus yeah. christ it, it's pretty full on and uh, <laughs> i like how kubo did that sort of 
samurai thing where he like sliced through his midsection. Well, that was really cool. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot of really cool action there. Was that like at the start of that sequence? Yeah, that was right at the start of the sequence. Yeah, he like just kneels down and like, yeah. So it was kind of like even if he did that, and he's still coming after him. <laughs> Like, oh god, what's people gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like completely in unstoppable. And music becomes king. You can't music. Yeah, I I feel like the directing, I think, because not that I didn't like the writing, but I did find it very predictable. Like yeah. as soon as I saw that, I mean, because you I could hear it was the same voice actor as the mom. So I was like, okay, yeah. so that's the mom. And then when I saw yeah. the other guy and they were like kind of having a thing, I was like, so that's the dad. But yeah, that's the dad. Yeah. 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 Even though I could tell it, I, it really, I think because it's so beautiful and cinematic, like it didn't take away as much, yeah. but yeah, it did feel kind of like not a little bit. Pr- I was su- happily surprised by the end with what they did with the grandpa, but yeah. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I completely. I can kind of completely agree. I, I'll go more into that when we get onto writing, but I do, I do agree with that. I think uh, they could have sort of, yeah, like hidden that a lot more. Still, uh, still a pretty good story, but yeah, I, I agree with you there. I also think kind of visually they could have hit it a lot more because, like Hanzo, you know what Hanzo looks like. You've you've seen his. Um, you know, you, you've seen like obviously his 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 colors, which Kubo wears. He wears like his old kimono. You've seen what Kubo thinks Hanzo looks like because it, they've got the um uh, the origami, you know, red thing. And then when you see the beetle, you're like, geez, he looks like the same, <laughs> but just a beetle. It's like I would have completely redesigned it differently because yeah. I thought uh, that made it a little too easy <laughs> to just guess that that was Hanzo. Because I'm like, yeah, that's that's Hanzo. So. I think of, you know, that's from less a, a story point of view, but more a, uh, you know, character, uh, you know, ha- how uh, how they design the characters. I would have, like, just designed them completely differently. Uh, so it's uh, more of a surprise. I think what puts you off, though, with that is the fact that the guy's an idiot. So. <laughs> yeah, the guy is an idiot. <laughs> it's like, this guy can't be his father. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think it's almost like, because we've talked about this on um, World of Horror, the Quinisodes. Like, I'm not somebody that typically anticipates what's happening next. I just uh, don't do it. You just go with the go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was so obvious to me that I I almost think it it might be almost intentional in a way so that your you know your emphasis your care and detail to watching the film is maybe mm. placed elsewhere. Perhaps yeah. I I don't know. Um, because especially with the mother, you know, you know that yeah. voice that's Charlize Theron and you can hear the monkey yeah. speaking with his ear, you know, and it's just, and I even was like, and that's his dad yeah. somehow, um, not knowing, you know, the connection or the un- understanding how that is yeah. his dad. But, you know, from the beginning when she said your mother, the last thing your mother did was, you know, she sacrificed herself and and created me or you know gave life to me and like, well, <laughs> yeah. her. i think uh, you're yeah. probably wondering like how is he, she her but you know maybe they'll explain mm-hmm. that um i you know i i personally i th- i think uh, yeah. i don't think it was intentional i think it was just uh, a sort of mistake on their part because it, it does make you just go like just cut with the charade already and just you know but i think it does make the romance uh, in retrospect quite nice uh because cute. the monkey and the beetle don't like each other to start with and yeah. then slowly fall in love. So then you're like, oh shit, 
they were his parents. Uh, but I think that would have been better <laughs> if they just uh, they made the designs and the voices completely different. I think that's just such an easy thing for them to have done, where it would have it would have literally been a surprise. So I, you know, I do I do think that is a is a kind of big uh, like negative, but I don't think it takes away from the film being amazing. But you know, it's yeah. uh, it's one thing I do do wish they did differently. Uh, Christina, favorite shot or scene for you? I like the whole sequence with the um, with the skeleton creature and the swords yeah, coming really out cool. of its skull. Oh yeah, um, I thought that was really great. And they're just trying to break all the swords to find the sword unbreakable <laughs> or whatever. It's a pretty damn scary design as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With that scene though, I'm just like, I think they're just looking for a normal sword. The other swords are just <laughs> yeah, that's true. rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're just—they're not even normal swords. They're like made out of glass or something. Yeah, they just give it one tap and it shatters half of them. Like, I think they're just looking for a normal samurai sword. People, <laughs> its body is really scary, but its face mm. looks kind of dim yeah. or dumb, oh, yeah. um, which I thought was an interesting character yeah. choice. Yeah, I love like the first shot you get of it because you have all the bones in the hand go up into the sky and then they're all looking at it as like, what? And you look at it all go up into the sky. And then it's like almost immediate. It's like you have the, the light from its eyes and it illuminates the creature. And you're like, holy shit, that thing is big. I love how they did that. It was really freaky. Yeah. Uh, generally, it was a pretty freaky entrance to that thing. I kind of just like the fact that the with the color design that it's orange and it just kind of matches up really nicely with the with the green yeah, set yeah, that they've built yeah. um just from a yeah color palette yeah yeah exactly mise-en-scene point of view to be wanky yeah, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> mac favorite shot or scene i really liked the eyes in the in the water i thought that was really cool yeah that and, was really cool oh yeah and then yeah. i liked the callback when they got to the um where where the helmet was and you see everything on the wall um i don't know that that paired mm. with all the stuff that they had seen before i thought i thought was a really nice touch um yeah i just liked it when they were in peril <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh quinn you know this is just it might be a cop out because i don't know technically how amazing it is but i my favorite part is the end when you know the villagers make the decision to to just like arm this man that they know is evil with these good, you know, solid, valuable memories that were not real. And he accepts them. And I don't know, I just, I've never seen something Hmm. like that done. It really touched me because they have every reason in the world to be so angry with him and, you know, to like ban him and, and tell him he was the biggest (laughs) piece of trash in the world, but instead arm him with this goodness and i just i think it, yeah, i just really loved good. it the end so much it sort of really like tied everything together for me in terms of storytelling and memory and you know the gifts that you can give each other by remembering things and telling those stories and then i don't know i loved it that part i was really surprised by so i think I think that was so effective. And I think like Mm. the contrast between when he was the monster and he kept calling himself a monster. Like he's like, what do you think? I'm, I'm this huge, scary monster now. And then he's actually this tiny frail man. And they, the, the humanity in them chooses not to treat him like the monster he thought he was. But I, I also like the skeleton fight and it really 
reminded me so much. I don't know. It doesn't make so so much sense, but it <laughs> <laughs> reminded me yeah. of the Goonies a lot in that moment. That was gorgeous. And honestly, that was probably the part that yeah. grabbed me the most if I was wavering at all in the beginning. But um, I was sucked in at that moment. So I think mine, uh, I think I already said, like, I, I my favorite shot, oh, that's a difficult one. Uh, I think probably the uh, uh, her sister's like split mask. I think I already said that. Oh, right, yeah. That it was uh, in the water. And I just I really like that shot. Rather than show her death, you just show that. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, my favorite scene is actually the prior um, fight on the boat. Oh yeah, that's mine as well. <laughs> I, I just love that whole fight. I just think the whole the whole scene, the whole fight scene, is incredible. Really, where well, well choreographed. Yeah. Have any of you seen the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio? No. Oh, I haven't yet. Not I need yet. to. No. I wonder if he drew from that boat stuff. So when when you guys all watch it, okay. um, get back with me and let me know what you think. <laughs> but I I think that okay. you know there might have been some callbacks to this movie in um, the sequence mm. in Pinocchio. That's definitely my favorite scene as well. And I feel like the choreography almost has a very grounded feel, like how you'd expect a sword fight and an axe thing on a chain yeah. on it to be like. But mix that into this animated world. It feels so exciting to watch. Plus, I love the sisters' faces. Like, they don't even move when they talk because they've got masks on. Yeah. I love that. And I like how they change it up a bit. In the second fight uh, at their home with the other sister, the fight is like less choreographed and it feels more brutal mm. and emotional. And as you said, Baez, because she Kubo breaks the bottom part of the sister's mask, so you see the mouth moving. Mm. So it just kind of increases the emotional stakes in it a little bit. So I really like that. Directing score, World of Horror, what are you going for? You go first, Mom. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go in the seven neighborhood? You want to go higher, Quinn? I would go 7.5 even. I mean, just, you know, watching a little bit of how it was made, I can't, it's unbelievable, the the work that went into it. Eight. Oh. <laughs> Eight? Max, the artist in the group, so. <laughs> I mean, it's tough because, like, there's nothing I could, there's no, there's no notes I have, you know, I'm like, the whole thing I like, so I mean, ten. <laughs> <laughs> Dare That's I say? Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what are you guys thinking then? You know, collectively, you can do an average out of that if you want. Right. <laughs> eight, eight point five. The mix of all of us. <laughs> yeah, eight point five. Eight point five. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> eight point five. Uh, Boaz, what should we go with? I'm thinking nines. Yeah, I'm going nines. Yeah, I'm going a nine. Um, nine point four. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really gorgeous. I'll go. Um, yeah, I'll go a nine point four or five, maybe nine point five. Yeah, yeah, nine point five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, screenplay then. Um, I found the opening scene before the title card really dark, not just because it's set at night and the mother is sailing these massive but beautiful-looking ways, but she gets thrown off the boat and hits her head in the rocks, and you see blood, and I verbally made an out sound, you know. Yeah, same. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's pretty extreme. Then Kubo, the voiceover at, at this point, says his grandfather stole something from him and you see his eye is bandaged and you're like, what the hell yeah. is this movie? <laughs> Plus, I feel like the audience is implicit in the mother getting hurt because Kubo says, please be warned, if you fidget, yeah. if you mm-hmm. look away, if you forget any part of what I tell you, even for an instant, then our hero will surely be will surely yeah. perish. And then you know her head meets the rocks then you're like in the cinema going who looked away (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know the film is trying to tell you that everything is important in this film and it makes the audience part of the story in a way Uh, and i thought that was a really cool idea you know to set up this film that you know this film is really bringing the audience into this in this whole idea of you know storytelling is really important to everyone so i love that opening I like um, those that little break in the fourth wall, but also I think for younger viewers, it sort of becomes more, you know, you're like kind of shaking them <laughs> to pay attention. And I, yeah. it's intense, <laughs> like you said, you know, and, and then it just sets you up because I think the last thing he says before the title card is like, and that's the least yeah. of it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, it's yeah. powerful. And I think that, you know, you do feel like more connected to it because you are being asked yeah, to pay absolutely. attention. I, I, I loved that. Me too. It worked on mm. me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah. here we go. I feel like more animated films need to do that with kids in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Get them involved into the film early on. Like, you must pay attention, people. <laughs> and uh, I think they should have a camera. And if people aren't paying attention, they should run a different ending yeah. where just everybody dies. Halfway in the movie, just heads everywhere, (laughs) and then you know they just stop the movie and they like you know everybody's like what the fuck you know what you did and they're like somebody wasn't paying attention you know what you did get the hell out of the cinema (laughs) and great yeah Yeah. this feels very good I like this idea (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the Mm. this this inclusion of the audience also continues when you know they have him telling the story to the village as well you know I feel like. Like you said earlier, Martin, about like the powers feeling like they make sense in the world. It's like everybody's amazed by it, but not in a way of mm. like, who's this freak? Like they're all just like, <laughs> whoa, this is yeah. amazing. And we all feel the yeah. same way. So I feel like we're a part of the village too. Yeah. I, I like the um the sort of setup for through throughout the story when they introduce things. Like they don't just spell out everything to you. They yeah. kind of like feed you slowly some some extra context. And I like that. Because even when, you know, he starts, he's like, you know, making origami things to like uh, keep his mother, you know, like entertain his mother and she's a bit out of it. And then she's like, oh, you know, he, he needs to go to town and stuff. And then he sort of talks about, you know, maybe finish the story this time. You get, you're definitely going to get money. And you're like, okay, what's going on here? Mm. And then he does his thing and you're like, oh, that kind of, you know, it was all like setting that up you know, his, his origami control powers and you had no idea, but it was just gently setting that sort of stuff up. Mm. And I think it does that quite a lot in the, in the, in the film, which is, is pretty good. Like just sets up some mm. plot reveal. Yeah. I find Kubo's mother really fascinating, not monkey, but the, his actual mother really fascinating. And I, I nearly put this in kind of directing just how good the puppetry or the animation work was in, establishing what this character is and 
where she's very silent and when she's at the top of the mountain and when Kubo returns, she's still for a long moment like she's in an epileptic absent state. And when she comes out of it, she's telling you know the same story again, like when we just seen Kubo perform in the village and you're like, why are we being told this again? And then the ma- the mother forgets what happens in the fight at the castle with his father, Hanzo, then you realize that this film is going to be about how important storytelling is in people's lives. And then the mother goes into this absent state again, and you could read it like we are nothing without stories. And then there's this kind of mental health reading in there as well. You know, this film is tackling like really a- adult themes you know, this film is much is as much for adults as it is for kids, and I just that's probably one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. as well in the film. Just that very dark aspect of the film, certainly with the animation of of how they just leave the mother being still, like there's like she's completely <laughs> lost and forgotten everything. It's quite quite dark. Did you guys find that 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 was quite an affecting scene? Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Like, you know, you kind of get the feel uh, uh, of ha- what it's like to sort of live with her. She's very lucid one minute and she's telling stories and th- and then just doesn't know where the hell she is and has kind of forgotten everything. Definitely, yeah. I feel like you get a peek inside what those years, since they don't show, you know, the period between yeah. him being an infant and then him being a child. And it's like the first time we see him as a child, he's feeding his mom and then even wiping like rice off her face like that's brutal for a child to have to go through like and to then still have these moments of light you know um and then she forgets like what happened to your eye you know that would uh, this you you also know that this kid is so strong like for having to go through this and there's still so much love like he's not upset at her or anything um Mm. So I feel like yeah. the the, no. the pieces you put together in your mind, um, I like that they do that instead of showing some sort of like montage, you know, until he's a child. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. you can just see it. Yeah, absolutely. I also like the idea that the papers, the origami papers fly around sort of chaotically when she's oh, yeah. sleeping and he yeah, has to cool. calm her down. That was an interesting uh, way to depict that and that yeah. he's taking the papers and you know, turning them into, you know, these tools for storytelling um, mm. in the village—that's a really wild idea. I find it really interesting in what they don't show as well, because because they could have made it into a really interesting sequence when, like, the little red Hanzo character is created. You don't see that; it just appears, and Monkey's like, mm. "Who the hell is that?" <laughs> you know, I feel like they could have done that easily in this incredible world in and in, in this in animation style, but they don't. They hold that back and like, no, he just appears, and then all the other incredible animation is is done with other like fight scenes. Um, so I found that quite interesting. What they don't really show. Uh, what do we feel about like the mother reveal that it's monkey? I mean, it's done in a very emotional moment when she takes out one of the aunties. For me, I was quite fine with it, and I feel like it's one of those things you kind of have to roll with, and that there wasn't, there's no perfect way to reveal that. Um, <laughs> you know, because I feel like if she did it right at the start, Kubo will be yeah. pretty freaked out. You know, like what, <laughs> my mother? What the hell? You're a monkey. <laughs> 
So I feel like it's just, it has to happen yeah. at some point, but there's no perfect way to do it. So I feel like in that emotional moment, it's yeah. kind of the, the only way you can put it and you kind of just roll with it, in my opinion. I, I think I'm happier with her reveal than Hanzo's reveal because I do think I love that monkey design. Okay. I loved the texture of her face and Absolutely. her fur. And I feel like, you know, if they had if they had that monkey with a missing eye, that would be like, oh, come on. But, you know, I, <laughs> I feel like also since her attitude is so different from the start, like she's trying to, you know, be like, all right, come on. Like, you know, we really got to. Yeah. This is real. Um, and that made her even more interesting to me that she, you know, is willing to, that she didn't like have her memories lost. Like she was purposefully, you know, trying to not be like cruel to him, but, you know, be like, we got to get going. And I yeah. think that does make the mother reveal more emotional because he can, yeah. he hasn't ever seen her be mm. this. Mm-hmm. responsible too well i think I, I think it's kind of interesting because yeah. she's like more of a like no nonsense she's pretty aggressive a warrior you know it's just like just get on with it otherwise you're gonna die like hurry up it's like not trying to be his friend or anything so it definitely doesn't seem like his mother it's just you know somebody there to help him pretty kind of harsh teacher or something like sensei yeah so the character is very different yeah. um so i think it is pretty it's pretty good reveal yeah, I think with the father reveal, I think this is where kind of the film gets a bit murky and it maybe gets a bit lost in what it's trying to say. But I, my reading of it is the is like the Moon King ended Hanzo's story. So that's when he kind of comes back into this beetle, like he doesn't know who he is at all. I don't think he killed him. I just think he kind of wiped his memory. And so that's the way I kind of interpret it. Like uh, everybody just thought he was dead. That he killed him, but he didn't kill him. He just wiped his memory and then made him something else. So, you know, that's kind of like killing him. Yeah. Well, his story wasn't fully yeah, yeah. told. And that's why we don't know who he is. That's, yeah, that's how right. I kind of saw it. But, but I think, is that where you were coming from, Christina, where the story gets a bit muddled for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, I was just really confused by like the Hanzo, like the paper Hanzo guy. And the beetle guy. I'm like, what? Right. How are, yeah. are these the same elements of the same character, or like, what's actually? Yeah. Who is that little paper guy? I, I think I think they never they never sort of spell it out. But I think maybe the way I sort of interpret it, you know, I suppose I've just got to interpret. Like, I think the paper Hanzo isn't the real Hanzo. It's not the spirit of the real Hanzo. It's kind. Of, I think it's kind of like subconsciously created. And 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 given a spirit by Kubo, so that's kind of I think how he perceives his father should act mm-hmm. and and look and stuff. So that's how I sort of interpret yeah. it. You know, I could be wrong, but you know, but yeah, it, it never it never sort of says really. One thing I did really like about the father reveal was the the little hint of you know Kubo praying and not getting anything back. So you're like, okay, right. he's out there. I really liked that. I thought yeah. that was nice, subtle. I, I do, I do like that definitely. Yeah, in retrospect, because at the end, when you know he does the same um, lantern thing and the lantern lights, and both of his parents are there, and it does make you think. Like the first time, it didn't light, and everybody else is light. You're like, his dad wasn't dead. Like mm-hmm. that's why he wasn't dead. He just didn't know. And I'm like, that's that's pretty cool mm-hmm. in uh, in retrospect. So favorite lines, people. Mine is the very first one. If you must blink, yeah. do it now. I think that's just a great opening to get your attention. <laughs> uh, Quinn, favorite line for you? 
I, 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 I'm going to have to side with you on this one because <laughs> it really, it's, it's just a beautiful bookend, you know, mm. to the repetition of it. It's powerful. I think it draws you in. I think that it makes it, you feel like you're doing something really important by watching this film. And I think that's really, I don't know. I, I don't see that a lot. I love, I love that. I mm. love the sort of subtle interaction. Yeah. Not sword uncomfortable. I've <laughs> 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 Uh, Christina, you got a favorite? Uh, yeah, I like in the beginning when he's interacting with Monkey and he says, don't you say anything encouraging? And she says, I encourage you not to yeah. die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I'll say the first line, but also I liked, uh, I have a question. If I'm Beetle and you're Monkey, why isn't he called Boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty funny. Boaz. Um, I, I can't find the quote right now, but it was something like, uh, it's like the first time he meets Monkey, and she's like, you know, you have three questions, and he's like, who are you? Uh, no, what the hell does he say? He's like, why do I have three questions? Well, that's one. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. You remember it better than I do. Yeah, why do I have three questions? And this guy's like, okay, that's one question used. I quite like that. And referencing another pod when we did Army of Darkness, I do love a bone pun. I got a bone to pick with you. See, because he's made a bone. <laughs> You're an embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Screenplay score, World of Horror. What are you going for? Nine. Still? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say nine. Christina is not happy with that. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think uh, so. I don't think so. <laughs> but what do you think, Quinn? All right. I think the directing is better than the writing. So I think it makes sense that the directing score would be higher. But what do you think, Quinny? Eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go 6.8. Wow. Okay. 6.8. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I was going to go seven. Perfect. I, I think I, I think I may have been a little bit confused too. So I think mm. that hearing what you said, Christina, sort of harkened back to some feelings I had. But yeah, so that's why I went yeah, a little bit lower. I personally just like wasn't confused at all. So I feel like that, and I really liked a lot of the lines. Just hence my hence my higher score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's there's quite a lot of funny lines. Maybe this is more of a, well, wait, Mac, what, what are you? What generation are you? I'm on the cusp. Are you a zennial? You're a cusper? I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. They called me a millennial my whole life. Now I'm called Gen Z. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll say seven. Okay. Nice. I still really like yeah. the screenplay. As you guys probably know, we're very generous with scores. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't have a massive problem with that, but with the with the screenplay, yeah, I get that, you know, the father reveal and what's going on with the grandfather is a tad confusing yeah. at times. So, But I still really enjoyed it. So I'd probably go like in 8.3, 8. 8.5. That's interesting. I, I was also thinking like, um, I don't know, this is kind of a, maybe a weird criticism like i'd probably just like make it a little longer you know like just okay. like add something else mm. in the middle um because yeah. i did i did feel the quest was was a bit a tad like too easy so i don't know yeah i would have added really? something okay. yeah i think so i would have added a little something in the middle but uh mm. you know i can sort of understand like you know 
Yeah. It's so much effort to, to make a film. You want them to suffer more? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes more of an entertaining story. Yeah. More fingers need to be lost from animators for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, you know, one thing I didn't mention in the story, like the, the Moon King, I like, uh, like the first time you meet him, he's just some sort of random old sage in a dream. And he's just so unlike what you know the mother talks about him you know uh well it's like that he's evil like all you've heard from him is he's evil he's you know called the king of darkness and all this shit and the first time he appears to kubo he's got no idea who he is and he gives him uh advice on where to find the 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 helmet which turns out to be a trap but he just seems like a nice old guy and then you know second reveal he's he's a lot you know darker he kind of changes from that nice old guy into like an evil fucker and I thought that was a pretty that was a pretty cool twist. Um, I really like that. I feel like that's yeah. real. Like I feel like that's very real for a kid. Of like, you know, I've been told this, but I'm confused because yeah, exactly. I see something differently. Because also, people don't act the same way towards children necessarily. Yeah, so I just really like the dark elements of it, especially with the mother character. So you know, eight point four, eight point five, I would be happy with. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, eight point three. Yeah, okay. Uh, voice acting then i mean i remember watching this for the first time and it, <laughs> i might sound stupid here but i had no idea that charlie's theron played the monkey and the mother i think it's just because <laughs> like the mother character is very like soft and you know caring and and then when you get to the monkey charlie's theron is very firm and and assertive aggressive at times to kubo it, but again, is in this very caring way, just do two different types. So mm. it did fool me for for a few moments. Um, so I really liked Charlize Theron in this movie. Um, yeah, for yeah. Me. I wasn't as much of a fan. I do like Charlize Theron, but I I yeah. just find it a bit weird that like all of the side characters are played by Japanese actors, but then all of the main characters are played <laughs> by white actors. Yeah. And I do feel like when you're telling a Japanese story. That's a bit odd, you know. I feel like then yeah. you can tell they casted more for notoriety to get for for more yeah, marketing yeah. to be like, mm. look who's in the movie. I, I will say, like, uh, even though I like the lines of 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 Matthew McConaughey, I wasn't like a madly a fan of his voice acting. Really? No, I, oh. I don't really think so. I, I think <laughs> you didn't like it when he was when he shouted ah <laughs> <laughs> when he when the hand came up. <laughs> You didn't like that? I thought it was great. <laughs> I, I I think it could have been cornier. It could have been like a, a lot more. Um, do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I I can't really explain it. He kind of just, just sounds like Matthew McConaughey. He just sounds like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, he just sounds like. Yeah, I think that's a great. I think that's a great criticism. He sounds like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> it's like he doesn't sound like a, a, a stupid insect. He sounds like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I didn't even catch that it was him until. I looked it up maybe halfway through the movie, though, so I didn't even feel like it was over-the-top Matthew McConaughey. Quinn was convinced. <laughs> well, Quinn, yeah, okay. But, like, uh, yeah, it didn't convince me, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I feel like there should have been a, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have fitted the character. Yeah. These monkeys keep getting younger, but I stay the same age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, my. But yeah, I mean, looking at the IMDb, it literally is every single main character is voiced by a white person. And I just find that icky. Yeah, I agree. That is really offensive. I mean, but, you know, going back to Lion King, you know, with Matthew Broderick being, you know, the voice of an African king, it's like... Well, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, but to be honest, I, I yeah, I, I can sort of give the Lion King like like some leeway because like everybody, no, actually, is it? Yeah, almost all the other characters. Actually, I think apart from Simba's mother, I think Simba's mother is African, but everybody else is like you know played yeah. by an American. <laughs> no, but that's kind of interesting. But I mean, you know, that that's kind of par for the course. I think for American movies, if you want to get people to watch it, you can't. I think the kid was pretty good. Ah, oh, Parkinson. Uh, that's what I was going to say. So actually, one that I definitely didn't know who it was, and that kind of blew me away, is uh, I think the Moon King is uh, Ray, Ray Fiennes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty nice. damn good. I was like, uh, you know, I, I don't think I would have guessed mm-hmm. that. But, um, He's scary. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Well, he does a similar thing to what Charlize Theron is doing. He's kind of playing two different roles. Yeah, yeah. Where he's this evil god-like serpent, where he's very expressive, doing Voldemort times ten, and then yeah. at the end, he's this very innocent old man. Like doughty old man. Yeah. Just wanting to know who he is from the villagers. So in his voice, he even sounds older and quieter than he yeah. actually is. I love the contrast there from Ralph Fiennes. I thought he was one of my favorite performances. Yeah, I think he he's one of mine, and he's used incredibly sparingly, like you know, really yeah. quite towards yeah. the end. So he's kind of this uh, just this presence, but um, I do like his voice. It's not what you expect, but I, I do like that he plays essentially two different kinds. Uh, my favorite voice performance is Charlie's Theron for me. Yeah. Uh, cool. Quinn, who would you go for? I think I'm going to go with, I guess Art. Parkinson plays Kubo. I thought he was yeah. fantastic, um, but I don't know that actor very well. I thought Charlize Theron was great as well. Very, very good. Yeah. But I'm I'm with y'all on the um, just having major qualms about yeah. the casting in terms of representation and things like that. But beyond that, just Kubo was fantastic. Christina? I'm going to um, second Ray Fiennes. I thought he... He did the best. Mike? I'll second Charlize Theron because I think she was who I was most impressed by. And I I just think her, I mean, I love her. um, And (laughs) I just think her voice was also very pleasant to listen to. Yeah. Boaz. I think I'm going to go Ray Fiennes. Quite a mixed bag there. That's cool. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty cool. So voice acting score, World of Horror, what are you going for? For Kubo and the Two Strings. I think I'm going to say... Six, not to be rude, but just I also yeah. wish we would move more towards a trend of having voice actors who mostly do voice acting than just casting to yeah. have some big names on the mm. poster. Mm-hmm. And I hate that trend. I don't think anyone screwed up. I mean, I think everybody no. did fine. No pun. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even Matthew McConaughey. I think he's a fine actor. So, it, it, you know, he didn't, yeah. you know, aside from having a really... I think identifiable voice. That's not his fault. Um, but, so I think six is fine. I would say six, seven, maybe even Rooney Mara too. I needed to point out, you know, plays the yeah. evil. Oh one. yes, and she's got a voice going that is both very horrifying and yet calming in ways as well. Um, but she was great too. And I think just 
in terms of, I feel the same way about the casting, but in terms of the job that these actors did, I would say, I would say like eight, if I were just looking at the job that they did in this film, you know, not looking at anything else involved. Seven? Seven. Okay, seven. Okay. Uh, Boaz, what should we go for then? 7.5? 7. 7.7? 7. Because I do agree with the controversy that i you know it would be nice to have some more asian representation in there sure yeah maybe at 7.8 cool right let's add up the scores then for kubo and the two strings kubo and the two strings gets 48.1 which is pretty good pretty good but i have a feeling it's not going to stand a chance <laughs> with the other film <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so That's it for part one. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Check out part two to see who wins. But don't stop there. Get involved and tell us what your favourite films are relating to the episodes. Send us a DM or comment on Instagram and TikTok at Film vs Film Podcast for Twitter at FVF underscore podcast. If you do, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. If you're feeling really generous, you can buy us a one-off coffee at our Buy Me A Coffee account. Remember, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe. Pod signing off.